This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello and welcome to another coronavirus lockdown survival Talking Flutes podcast with me, a croaky and a much deeper voice, Jean-Paul Wright. The intro music is, as usual, Bessame Mucho, played by the wonderful Giovanni Perez. Right, as I've been mentioning during the past few weeks, I want to use this time of social isolation to catch up with some of the wonderful flutists I know and who are always too busy flying around the world, performing and teaching to speak with me. It's either that or they're dodging me and dodging my requests. <clears throat> Person at the other end. <laughs> yeah, she's giggling already. <laughs> we have been experiencing enforced governmental confinement for a while now, which for a musician not only decimates everybody's livelihood by not being able to perform to an active audience, but which has had a major effect on any musician's ability to earn money to pay the bills. So today, I'm going to have a chat with a fabulous musician currently residing in, and she'll tell me off in a minute, because I've written San Francisco, but she'll put it right. And what can I say about this person? Well, she is a Chilean professional flutist, composer, dancer, poet, author, and an all-round creative who has played in, wait for it, 131 countries. Yes, I did get that number correct because I checked before we started this podcast. And she always seems to be performing somewhere. Grammy nominated, TEDx talk speaker. She teaches at the University of California, Santa Cruz, conducts the 30-person Peninsula, Peninsula, oh, I put my teeth in there, 30-person Peninsula Youth Symphony Orchestra Flute Choir, that's a big flute choir, and is the co-founder of the fabulous The Flute View magazine. She has studied with Jean-Pierre Rampal, Albert Tipton, James Galway, and Julius Baker amongst, amongst many, and has a really, really infectious smile and laugh. Ladies and gentlemen, this is London Calling, this is London Calling, Viviana Gutzman. Can you hear me? Hello, hello. Good morning from sunny California. Hello, Viviana. Hello. And um, so it is six, uh, 11 minutes past six here. So what is it in your lovely and place? And it's 11 pa- 12 past 10 a.m. over here. Yeah, we are an extra hour ahead because of summertime. We've moved into summertime just at the right time. That's right. That's right. It's all blossoming. Everything is beautiful. Everything is bursting. And we're supposed to stay indoors. <laughs> but it always is beautiful in California. I mean, let's face it. It's it's California. We can't say anything yeah. else, can you? Yeah. Yeah. So how are you coping yeah. with the current period of socialization? Ooh, I'll ask that again. So how are you coping with the current period of socialization? Socialization? Social isolation. Actually, I'm <laughs> super enjoying the moment i i'm i'm a person who <clears throat> when there's something that's difficult or challenging i try to find turn it around and make the best of any situation so 
I have been uh, diving into webinars that I've never been able to take. I've been too busy to take online. I've taken uh, a dance, Pilates, meditation, art, you name it. I've uh, been learning Russian. <laughs> Good and, um, and I've been trying new platforms, in fact. I, um, I just held the first San Francisco Flute Society, which I started, a virtual festival. We had seven performers from yes, seven different countries. That. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I did it on Zoom, which, you know, I'd never done that before. And what else have I done? Uh, oh, my flute choir, my my uh, Peninsula Youth Orchestra flute choir. I want them to keep practicing because we have a concert, perhaps, that's still going on. We don't know yet in May. And so um, I created the virtual flute choir, which then got uh, national attention here in the USA. We were on two, uh, two uh, what is it called, Today. Today, when, I don't watch TV, so I don't know, but it's on the Today Show yesterday morning. So it's Brian, super Brian exciting. Baru. Anyway, it was Brian Baru because so. I was singing along to it. There's some nice bass sounds going on in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, just um, the virus has me going off in new directions and I'm enjoying every second of it. Why doesn't that surprise me? Viviana Guzman <laughs> and New Directions. How many directs can, directions can you go? I mean, in normal person, there's north, <laughs> south, east and west. Not in your reality, is there? I mean, there is all these uh, other different directions. Yeah, there's there? up and down as well. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you ever sit still? I know you're saying that you've been visiting these other platforms and yeah, I mean, obviously doing meditation and yoga and Pilates, it, it's very sedentary. But right. I would imagine you have a, a very active mind. I guess so. I, I just, um, I feel like life is really short and every day is a gift. And I just like to maximize every minute. <laughs> and um, and I, I just throw my passion, whatever I'm really enthusiastic about, I just throw it into my life and I dive into it head first. Oh, I mean, uh, whether oh, it be the, yeah. the ocean, which I do swim in my ocean almost, uh, you know, as much as possible, even though it's freezing, but I love it. And I swim with all my friends. And, and anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I can attest to the fact that you are full of beans. I mean, if you think of a... Yeah, the NFA, National Flute Association Convention. When Viviana walks in, everybody knows Viviana's there. That infectious <laughs> laugh is there. And as I said, you're like a whirling dervish. You're everywhere. And that's you. Oh, that is great. Yeah. I mean, you, you bring that passion and that enjoyment and that smile. It's really hard to be grumpy when you're looking at you. Oh, you're very kind. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so you you very much live in the present, don't you? Present moment. You're not looking ahead. You're very much maximizing what there is now. And in doing that, you you very much believe that you can maximize all the beauty that is around us and all the opportunities that come along. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't know if you, you've seen my TED talk where I talk yeah. about the fact that I, I grew up on a body cast <clears throat> from age zero to 11, where I couldn't walk, I couldn't run, I couldn't play. <clears throat> it was a body cast from my shoulders, basically, or un, under my armpits, uh, down to my feet. Good grief. And Good grief. yeah, and, uh, and so that's how I've started my life. I call them my cocoon years, right? And then I grew wings. And so now I'm just flying 
around. <laughs> and, um, and because I was so restricted as a child, I think that that's why now I just, I'm so thankful for every moment, every second that I can walk unrestricted without the, the wheelchair, the crutches, the canes and all that, that I had to endure when I was a child and up until fairly recently. Um, and so I, there's, life is just so easy now compared to what I grew up with. <laughs> you know? Can I ask you a question on that? What was it like when that the first time that cast came off? Can you remember? Well, yeah, of course. You can't move because it's, you've been in a cast and all your muscles are completely dead. So it's a whole year of recovery. Um, going to physical therapy every day <clears throat> and being in a wheelchair. And uh, it, it, every day you have to do your exercise. It, it teaches immense uh, discipline and focus, and it, it really cultivates drive <laughs> because mm. otherwise you're stuck and you can't move, you know. So um, I think that's why I had to. I was in and out of the body cast because they, they would do a surgery on me and I would, I would go through the year of recovery from the wheelchair to the crutches to the polio crutches to the cane and finally I could walk and then I'd go to the doctor and he would say, ah, oh, it didn't work. We have to do it again. So back, I'd go back into a surgery. So it was in and out and these every time it was just a huge struggle <clears throat> frustration all of that to try to learn to walk again you know but that taught me you know that's how i um i feel like i i i pour because i'm so thankful for all of that because now every day i i nothing blocks me like nothing <laughs> I can, if I want to do something, I will do it. I will figure out a way to do it. That's just the way it is because I had to relearn how to walk so often. So when did you start playing the flute? I started when I started music because I couldn't do anything else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that was a silly question, um, wasn't it? <laughs> When uh, they flipped me over on the hospital gurney where I lived so I could play the piano. So um, I say that music healed my life. And I started playing the piano. My mother was a pianist and toured all over South America playing piano and accordion. And she's listening from the other room right now. I told her she's being very <laughs> quiet, but she's listening. Um, I, I started piano when I was five because she was my first music teacher and a big, huge inspiration as well. She's an amazing musician. I mean, she's got immense talent. I just have a lot of discipline. She's a natural talent. <laughs> um, and then I played, let's see, accordion and then clarinet. And then finally, when I was nine, I started the flute. Nine. And I started the flute. I'll tell you why. Because I knew back then that I wanted to travel the world and I needed something portable. And the flute was the, the most practical, lightest instrument. And even the clarinet was too heavy for me for my very weak hips and construct, you know, body. Um, so the flute was my choice because it was the lightest and easiest to carry. Oh, not because you had an affinity for it, just because it was light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crikey. So could we have seen Viviana Guzman as a concert pianist instead? Because as, as you say, the, the hospital gurney was your bed, wasn't it? So they flipped you over to play yeah. it. Could we have seen right. you as a concert pianist? Or didn't that rock your yeah. boat at the time? 
Well, I still do perform on, on the piano um, often, but I there was something about the flute that is magical, that is healing, that is uh, very deeply spiritual. You know, it's it's in all the religions of the world. The Zen Buddhism uses the mm. sakuhachi and the, um, the Muslim religion. They, you have the ne and the Native American Indian flute, of course, is just powerful. The ditsa from China. Every... I feel like every culture has used the flute as a uh, in their spiritual practices, and there's a part of me also that is very deeply, deeply spiritual, and I, I think that that's what I was drawn to about the flute. So I chose the flute over the piano, and and then because I had all the piano basics and training, uh, even though I, I won my first competition when I was 13 to study in the Aspen Music Festival, oh, well done. which was kind of like the Juilliard Summer School, and that's where I first met you know Itzhak Perlman and Isaac Stern and all these greats of the greatest. Oh, here of we that go. Time. There's name dropping, isn't there? There's name dropping. There's <laughs> name dropping. <but> the <laughs> I mean, I, they were just there. They were part of the ambiance. I would go to Baskin Robbins for ice cream, and there was Itzhak Perlman, you know. And oh. it was just um, something that happened very uh, – anyway, I, and then I ended up winning that same competition uh, f- what five times in a row. And then Aspen just continued to give me the same fellowship for 10 summers. So from age 13 to 23, I was going to Aspen, which really is what marked my path in life. So I would say winning that competition when I was 13 with a full scholarship to go to Aspen, that's what, that's why I became a flutist. <laughs> now, anyone that's seen you play will know that you, you're a very technical player. You can play technique until the cows come home, as we would say in England. But also the way that you tell a story, which for me is what you're really strong at. Is that Was that moulded at places like Aspen or was that moulded through you wanting to take the flute to a different dimension? I think it's just um, my quest for always uh, trying new things and feeling excited or inspired by something and just going and not not saying no or not stopping. Just go. (laughs) (laughs) It's just you're very good at putting some of your music to videography, which you're very good at videographer as well. Um, And there is a connection between the how you play and the story that you're putting out visually. Yeah, well, I used to be a painter when I was when I was in high school, when I was a teenager, and then I turned into I evolved, I morphed into a photographer, uh, which I still when I'm playing the, for example, the Tahitian nose flute, I started collecting the flutes when I started traveling, and I realized that every part of the world has a different kind of flute. So the Tahitian nose flute, I will then show my slides from the time that I used to live in Tahiti. All right? Can you just, just for can example? You, can you just pause there? Tahitian yeah. nose flute. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hang on a second. Have you got something? Have you got a bit something stuck up your nostril? Right. Oh, no. You, no. Oh, it okay. came and it, it it came in a box. It came in a box and in large letters it said, "Do not play during allergy season." <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, well, the nose flute. Yeah. It's uh, you play it with the nose because you don't. You're. It's impossible to lie through the nose. You can tell uh, fibs, uh, uh, untruths, or uh, you know, not be very kind with the mouth. But through the nose, we're always breathing purity, and that's the reason I was told in Tahiti. That's why the nose flute. The nose flute is also found in uh, Philippines and also in Hawaii. Hmm. And what type part of, of the, what type of sound does that does that produce? Oh man, I wish I were with my nose flute right now. I could play it right now. It just sounds weird when you say "wish I was with my nose flute." I've never <laughs> I've never had a dialogue with that with, with somebody saying that. Hey, do you uh, know? Oh yeah, I'm just I'm just going to need to go and get my nose flute out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, usually I'm I'm with all my flutes, but um, it's uh, well, I have it on lot. You get in the, I think it's. I have it, uh, several excerpts online. Just type Viviana flutes from around the world. Yeah, we're going to do that at the end. We're going to. We're, I'm going to ask you how people can find you because you're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is your favourite country? I know 131. That is just showing off because it, it really is. I know it's been your. It's it's part of what you do. You are a very very busy musician, and I say the word musician, not a flute player, because that's what you do. You're a musician. Um, there's, there's there's flute players that just go out and play the flute, but you bring more to it than just playing the flute. So, what is your favourite country? Can I pigeonhole you, or is it just not possible because you've been everywhere? Well, it's always evolving as I am as a person, as an artist. So, uh, for example, I kept an apartment in Buenos Aires for a, for a while because I was deeply engrossed in uh, tango. I was dancing tango. I was playing tango in all the tango halls all over Buenos Aires. I played in the fanciest tango halls to the, the most simple ones and even El Teatro Colón, which is the big concert hall. I spent three years there, and then I woke up one day, and I was done. <laughs> really? I'm not surprised that uh, yeah. tango is so passionate, isn't it? You can't do that every day. Well, um, I did it for three years intensively, and I had I, I have two uh, Argentinian music albums as a result. And then I moved on, and I, I lived in Budapest for a while, for a couple years. Oh. I lived in, because I, was, I loved Budapest, this beautiful, and the culture there, and oh my goodness. And then I... I spent three years, as I said, in Tahiti. I spent some time in Istanbul. I love Istanbul and Hong Kong and Bali really fascinated me for a few years. I even put on a flutes by the sea in Bali just because I wanted to combine, um, you know, a flute course in a place that I loved. And uh, so it's always evolving. It's always changing. Um, and before I got married, I always just lived in other parts of the world. Now that I'm married to my uh, husband in California, I'm kind of, uh, I always come back to California. But um, I used to always just live wherever, <laughs> wherever I felt like living. A true so. nomad, a musical nomad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I love that. I love right now. I would say I'm in love with Central Asia. I just played as a soloist with the orchestra in Tashkent in Uzbekistan, and then I called it my Silk Road tour because I also played um, 
Masterclass in Recital in Samarkand and also Bukhara. And then I also played as a soloist with the orchestra in um, Bishkek in Kyrgyzstan. And I've been invited to go next year to Kazakhstan, Almaty. And so I'm just loving the Silk Road and um, all its ancient, ancient culture. And no... Very few tourists, uh, at least uh, Western tourists, especially Americans, go there. And so that's what makes it even more exciting for me. And how do they react to a larger-than-life female flute player turning up (laughs) in a male-dominated society? You're very, very kind. Um, you know, they're, they're, because no Americans go to these places, they treated me like royalty. They put me on all the TV interviews every day. I had, <clears throat> you know, I taught at the university, American University of, in Bishkek, you know. Uh, it, was, it was phenomenal. I mean, everywhere I went, I had a TV interview and, a, uh, and, and uh, performances. They, I think because Americans, are are uh, don't go they're fascinated with the americans and since i'm american chilean they were just uh it was wonderful they just received me so beautifully they're such kind people such warm and generous and the generosity was unbelievable and you think and do you believe that all your travels really comes over in your ability to be able to, to be able to interpret and communicate this uh, this type of music to the audience well, what I what I do, it started off just uh, little by little. I found the different flute from wherever I was. It became it was like a treasure hunt. Oh, today I'm in Barbados. What flute might there be in Barbados? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, and I I have now a hundred flutes in my collection of flutes, and I picked a, up a, recently from that from Kyrgyzstan. I have a Kyrgyz flute, and I also have a, a Uzbek flute. It turns out that the flute in those countries is huge. They play a different kind of flute but in there very almost uh, we would say primitive because it has no keys but just a piece of wood and holes they can play the carmen fantasy by born i mean it's amazing are you serious they're very yes yes you check out my instagram feed for when i was in 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 Uzbekistan. I mean, this guy was amazing. Uh, is his name in, in Instagram. Anyway, yeah, so I pick up the flutes. I, I find, um, you know, a, a native player. And then I also like to converse with the natives. <laughs> and I, I know how to say hello, thank you, the basics in about 35 languages as well, just because I think that's important. Wherever, whatever country you're in, you need to speak and communicate in their language, not assume that everyone's going to speak English, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Viviana, you are such a motivating personality. What's the secret to unlocking the inner giant when you meet a new student for the first time? Oh, well, that's uh, just, you know, music is so, it's the international language. And so introducing a new student to music is opening Pandora's box. Now, they do have to practice. They do have to be disciplined. And I'm a very strict teacher. But at the same time, I love bringing out um, the innate. It's like a fresh, I don't know, piece of clay. And I love molding it and working with them. And they inspire me. And hopefully I inspire them. And together is what is is created. So, And that's, I just find that incredible. 
incredibly beautiful. Uh, it's a partnership, and uh, it's 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 wonderful. Can you see the jewel inside everybody when they first come to you, and you just try and unlock that, or do you just allow allow them to flower gently? I would say a little bit of both. And actually, I'm because I was such a performer for so long, um, and only recently since I got married, I've been trying to stay home a little more. I only just... <laughs> you've, you've got no choice, um, have you? <laughs> you need to see your husband. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, well, before my... Uh, we, let's see, I met him about 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And before him, I was always on the road, like 90 five percent of the time i'd come home for five days in, in a month good grief <clears throat> but but now i have to come home and so i've created the san francisco flute society uh just to, as an, a, a way to stay home also i started teaching at the university as a way to stay home and i just started with flutes by the sea Masterclass as a way to stay home and i started conducting my uh kids the flute choir the peninsula youth orchestra flute choir as a way to stay home so I'm kind of relatively, I would say, it's my newest thing, this this whole teaching thing, but I've always done masterclasses. And so I'm used to going in, and a masterclass I love because you just come in, teach real quick, and then leave. <laughs> 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 and when I started teaching at the university, that's the first time I told my husband, oh my goodness, that feels like a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I I had never encountered a real job before, you know? <laughs> uh, you do yourself down. So let's talk about two things that you are known, apart from being a musician, you're known for, which is Flutes by the Sea and then obviously the Flute Talk magazine. Uh, let's talk about Flutes by the Sea, this wonderful course that you put on. Yeah, well, I started the San Francisco Flute Society you know, any, anything I start, I, it's almost like I have to jump, as I said, jump right in. And I, and it's hard for me to do anything small. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started immediately with a huge festival, right? Yes. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, well, maybe I should, A, become a nonprofit organization. So I then created the San Francisco Flute Society. And then I thought, oh, well, we better make money. So we better turn this into more of a, a masterclass. So that's how Flutes by the Sea started as, uh, became morphed into a masterclass, but it is a nonprofit organization, the San Francisco Flute Society, and we put on a festival every couple of years when I'm when I'm in the mood, really, when I have time, because that really takes up a lot of time. Uh, and the the masterclass is a little bit uh, easier to to manage. And I just, you know, the second thing I love performing. I'm a Leo astrologically, if anyone out there is into astrology, I love the spotlight. But you know, the other thing that I, the second thing that I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about is presenting people that I believe in. And I just love also offering a stage for people, for them to shine as well. And that's what I love about Flutes by the Sea. I, I just bring in people who I find incredibly inspiring um, and put them on the stage. And I, I love the interaction. Like last year we had uh, Jose Valentino, who's amazing. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, never a dull moment with Jose. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, say that again. Never a dull moment when Jose is around. And exactly. I imagine Jose and you together. I mean, that Latino yeah. vibe. 
Yeah, well, I adore him. And we also last year had Alice K. Dade, who was also oh, yes. a crime and partner, a partner in crime of mine. Uh, she, very kindred spirit with me as well. And Erica Boysen, last oh, year nice. we had her. She is a teacher in North Carolina. Also, just positive energy, just dynamo. We all, all, oh, and we also had uh, Maxim Rutsov from <laughs> The Crazy Russian. Oh, yes. So it was, yes, yes. <laughs> All the hair, yes. Yes, with the hair and the technique and the fingers and the musicality and all of, I mean, it was amazing last year. We had such a great time. The kids were just enthralled. We had uh, five different flute choirs uh, from all over the California area. And so it was it was quite a, a scene. I mean, the master classes have turned into mini festivals, actually. But um, anyway. So, yeah. when, so when it finishes, do you just go... Whew, that's it. Oh, do you? I wish. I wish. No, the, the, usually, like last year, the, the literally the day after, I was on a plane because I had to go. I had a concert tour of Alaska. So. Oh, good grief! <laughs> it's always it's um it's always a nonstop because I I just every when my agent calls and says, oh, how about um I don't know the Caribbean uh, for two weeks in May or something? I, I just can't say no, you know. <laughs> Um, And even just this year, I mean, uh, I've already, even before our lockdown, I was in Brazil, in Manaus, I was in Barbados, in Chile, Argentina, Peru. I mean, last, uh, I played as a soloist with orchestra in Mexico, in Zacatecas last year, right after my Silk Road tour. I mean, it's just kind of a a constant thing because I I, I can't say no. And I love it. I love every second. You know, the silence there is, I I, I go to the States or I go to Asia, I come back and I'm dead for a few days. The thought of going from one place (laughs) to another place to another place and performing every day. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? One thing that does exhaust me like that really totally wipes me out is NFA because there you have to stand up for so long. And I, I still only have about two hours of standing time. My body, even though I seem totally fine, I still have my limitations and issues and things that I struggle with, but I'm better than ever. And so I don't talk about all that, but so I would say NFA is the one thing that kills me. And after that, I've even gone to Bonnie Blanchard's uh, snow water twice. I did that that was that was challenging but really the the main thing i need to do is just spend a day getting a massage having a spa day and then i'm i'm fine i really need my spa days though <laughs> yeah just to bring just bring back a balance of physical and mental well-being yeah yeah uh, so let's talk again about another one of your passions the flute view magazine <laughs> well speaking of an nfa that's where the flute view started uh, it's, we started Fluter Scooter, Barbara Cecil, and I, we were thinking, you know, there's no online flute magazine. We should start one. And they, the two of them actually were saying, let's do it. Let's do it. And I just kept saying, no, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I can't. But they, they, they coerced me into it and we jumped in full force as I tend to do. And yes, now it's been, I think, six years since we first started it. Fluter Scooter has actually um, stepped down. Um, and she's focusing on other projects right now. And we have a new member of the Flute View, Morgan Pappas, who oh, is Morgan, a dynamo yes. herself. She, she is just. amazing um, and incredibly helpful. And the, between the three of us, we're uh, 
the three of us are co-editors and we we do all the work for it every month and it, it it's it's wonderful and and challenging in that you know it's hard that's the last thing a very busy person needs is to be editing a copy for a magazine <laughs> but um but it also i find i i i, I as again i thrive on putting the spotlight on others and there's nothing the second thing to me being on stage is offering a, a voice a platform a stage for someone else is the other thing that I just really love doing which you do in the flute view because um, if people look online they you can see the front covers and you will know straight away as soon as you see your front cover that the focus is always on flute players and different types of flute players and not only flute players but people that will give advice that will enhance your performance and your practicing in whatever way yeah well that we wanted the the theme so that we're a little different from all the other flute magazines out there um was we focus on entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial personalities Mm. so mavericks uh very unique you know different from from the I would say, quote unquote, normal flutists. I mean, of course, we include them as well. But um, anyone who really is a, has a different or unique voice, that's what we really love to feature as well. Well, yeah, because and I have this when I look at flute associations and I look at flute magazines, they are and I'm you know, there is a there is a market and there is still a world that is flute centric for flute players that like playing that type of music, which we all grew up with. But the younger generation that's coming through, they need to be motivated. Um, But Mozart, whilst that's the foundations of everything we do, that isn't the breed that's coming through, that are internet savvy, that can one minute listen to David Guetta, another minute listen to Mozart. And And I think what you're doing with the flute view is you're bringing a different vibe that it's okay to look at different things. It's okay to experiment. It's okay to sort of branch out this way. And if that doesn't work, come back and branch out exactly. another way. Exactly. 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 Well, and since we're on the topic of the flute view right now, just so that the listeners know, we're running a play in Carnegie Hall online flute competition. Mm. Yes, and the applications are due June 1st, and it's all just submitting YouTube links. At the same time, I'm also, because I'm behind both of them, I'm also running the uh, San Francisco Flute Society flute competition, and that one is also uh, open to all ages, starting from super young kids, and and that one the the deadline is May first. So the flute view the the flute view competition is to play in Carnegie Hall. That's the oh, prize, wow. and the the other one, the San Francisco Flute Society flute competition. That one is for prize uh, cash money. Yeah, wow, how wonderful! So, how can people find the flute view online? Is it just literally thefluteview.com? Theflutview.com. Simple as that, folks. Theflutview.com. Go and have a look. And <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, there's a lot of publications. And if you're old school, and I always call old school flute players, is a, is a, if you like traditional flute music, and there's nothing wrong in that, then um, it's really interesting to actually go and look at a different angle in the world of flute playing. And there's lots of, as, as Viviana says, mavericks out there that are trying to sort of bend and move stuff around. And it's really quite exciting to see the new breed of flute players coming through. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. Yeah. What's your favourite experience playing the flute? And I guess that it's probably not playing in a favourite or a famous concert hall. You're right. <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably playing. It's probably playing to a, a, a shepherd in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? It's some. It's it's an experience, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I I'm actually a, a hermit at heart. I uh, and I'm also my husband always laughs, but I'm actually an introvert at heart as well. Uh, my favorite experience, I would say, well, I don't have, I, I have too many, too many. I mean, my Silk Road tour was unbelievable. If I was to ask you to think of something now that makes, that puts the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, something that you've done in the last few years, what would it be? Well, when I played, I took, I, I was at, in Teotihuacan in Mexico at the pyramids and I just felt so inspired. I took out my flute and I started playing. There was nobody there, very few people, very few tourists. And I started playing just because I felt so inspired. And then when I stopped playing, I could hear from the distance clapping from all over, 360 all around me. The oh, wow. people I couldn't see, but they heard me and then they clapped. And it was, it was, it just felt so warming. It was so, such a beautiful exchange. And then also, there's the time of the pyramids in Egypt, <laughs> where the best way to get into the pyramids in Egypt is with a camel. And I found a Bedouin who would take me in on a camel. And this was later in the afternoon. It was maybe about four o'clock. And so I'm in the pyramids. And at and around five o'clock, I realized that the pyramids are closing. <laughs> and I'm stuck inside the pyramids with me, my camel, and the Bedouin. <laughs> and and I was going oh my word what now because the sun is going down and the call to prayer is going it was magical and terrifying at the same time but only because I was a little nervous but (laughs) but nothing happened everything was cool I started playing I um again it was just uh, this twilight time no one at the pyramids it was beautiful and it was a sacred moment I not captured because you know it was just me and Mm. the Bedouin and nobody else and the camel (laughs) and then uh and then it turns out that at seven o'clock they just were taking all the tourists out so that then at seven o'clock they have this light show that happens at the pyramids but I got to experience that as well that was just magical so even though yeah I've played a few times in Carnegie Hall and the biggest halls and wherever concert halls fancy schmancy halls I I tend to, I'm more of an earth person and I love historical sacred sites more than anything else. That was, that, that would be my passion. Because you get a certain feeling when you're playing there. Yes, exactly. And that's, exactly. And that everybody encompasses how we should feel when we're playing music. It's, we're not just playing blobs on sticks, dots on a piece of paper. We're playing a yeah. story. We're, we're making an emotion and... For you to say that, Viviana, to play in front of the pyramids in Egypt by yourself, I mean, that must have been a wonderful experience. Oh, magic. Absolute. Yep. But it does lead yep. me on to another question on that. Do you carry your flute everywhere? I mean, oh, what, yeah, what, absolutely. What, why were you on a camel with a flute on your back? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I always have a flute with me. In oh, fact, really? Uh, well, of course, I have. Yes, I have. Well, I have a collection of flutes, right? Yeah. And I and 
I always have a little whistle or something, a Irish tin whistle. Uh, the Irish tin whistle uh, lives in my flute bag, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always have I always have a whole bunch of different things with me in my bags, no matter what. In fact, hold on one second. I can whip one out at any at a moment's notice. <laughs> Do you have a very big bag? <laughs> no, no, this is a tin whistle. It's it's uh, light, it's portable, it care and and the the other ones I have like a little recorder which um I just don't have my bag here right here with me but um it's a little tiny one also pocket size. I mean these things are always with me and the flute is not that big. I always have it with me as well. My normal gold one. You're a master of communication because you know that as soon as you start playing music, people's eyes open and it's a way of communicating something, isn't it? Always friendly and always as a connection as soon as you start playing. Well, I think that's true of anybody who starts playing. We just I don't think we play enough in everyday scenarios at, at the grocery store or at, you know, at the mall, just whip out your instrument and start playing and people respond anywhere. You know, I don't think we do that enough. I think it, we always feel like it has to be in a concert hall and it has to be official and, and blah, blah, blah. But I, I just like bringing it out to wherever I am and then uh, mixing with the natives. <laughs> and do you know, one thing I'm very jealous of What's is that? the thing that, we don't do enough of which is that word dance the fact Ah. that we should move when we hear music music is not meant to be static is it and when I see people like you when I see people like Jose there's always something that those hips I don't know what you do I don't know why Latin people can put their hips in a different direction to us (laughs) Europeans but there is this vibe and there's this ability to communicate with your body and I love yeah. the fact that if I could hear music, I'd love to be able to dance. But I sort of had yeah. two wooden legs. Yeah, well, it must, didn't you say your mother was a dancer? Yeah. A ballet dancer? A ballet dancer, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, I, it, nothing came over. There no, no, no dancing <laughs> skills came over. But the appreciation is there. Oh, it is. An, an intense jealousy of wished I can do it. I've always ah. wanted to do something like that. And since, ah. the, since that Latin vibe has really come into flute culture over the last few years and people are doing more of it, it's great right. because it makes you feel good. It's not, oh, a, it's, it's not a depressive classic piece that, that makes you feel heartbroken or emotional. It makes you feel right. happy. Right, right, absolutely. And you have to move, don't you? You have to move those hips. Yeah, well, that's ingrained since birth yeah (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine somebody playing um, a latin piece and uh, just standing there statically in a a, a bow tie impossible Impossible. yeah so yeah Yeah. it's it's uh, taking flutes around or any type of flute that you do it's i think it's just you communicating or finding a way to communicate with the people around you and i think it obviously works perfectly yeah well, I I love doing it, and I love the interaction of seeing others responding to it. So, and it, like I said, it's the un- music is the universal language. So, absolutely, I always have a flute with me. 
So what advice could you give to an aspiring flutist who may be going through a tough time at the moment, either through practicing at home or not being able to do the practice they want because of the close confines of family or neighbours and emotionally are struggling at this moment? Ah, it is a very, very difficult time. Um, but we have to, I like asking everyone, what do you like most about this time right now? You know, like even you, what, what are you enjoying about now that normal, uh, that you can't do in our quote unquote normal life? I can meditate, spend more time doing meditation and yoga. Excellent. Yeah, me too. That's the first thing I did too. I did a, one of these group online group meditations. There were 3000 people all through YouTube. I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But as for advice, I think number one thing is believe in yourself. This is just so important. Um, This is the most important thing. Um, And, of course, in our field, in music, classical music especially, in order to be a successful musician, you have to practice. And discipline is the most important thing. Um, And then there there are a couple of things that I would give to uh, advice uh, as things that we don't necessarily learn in music school. Uh, For example, learn. You can even Google all of this. Learn how to write a, a winning press release. Uh, communicating with the press is very important to get people to come to your concerts, to get uh, interviewed, to get uh, notoriety. Once, you know, today the television says, oh, this was worthy, then all of a sudden everyone else thinks it's worthy. You know, it's that <laughs> kind of thing. So it's very important, you know. And I also think that um, these days it's just as important to learn the basics of web design and graphic design. I mean, we never, I never would have been able to do, I I run about 10 different websites right now, manage them. In fact, after this call, I have um, a tutorial with my web designer because I I like to learn and do it all myself. Um, Also, it's very important these days to learn the basics of videography or video editing um, and even photography, just to learn to have a good eye for what's what's good. And it's an extension of what we do, of our art, of being creative, I think. Um, it's also super important to learn how to or not to be scared of sending a cold email to a concert presenter or a record label because that's so – that only is going to propel your music and your whole persona forward. So you've got to be able to do that and follow up. That's the most important part. Send an email and then not follow up. It's like not having sent anything. So you have to follow up. And it's super important to start now with networking and treating everyone with respect and kindness because you never know who is going to someone you knew in high school is now the you know the person at the record label that you now want to record with you know so you must uh, start networking now and treating everyone with respect and kindness and most importantly i would say and this is something that my dear uh, flute teacher, my first flute teacher, Albert Tipton, he was principal of the Detroit Symphony and the St. Louis Symphony, and he played in the Philly Orchestra with William Kincaid. He is in, ingrained in me the simple fact of choosing your friends and associates wisely. And I think that is so important now as well as I 
as I'm living. And and then the final thing I would say to tr- to remind everyone to treat every day as if it were the last and that t- to just to really focus on that every day is a gift. Do you know that is just simply wonderful advice that any flute player that is going through a hard time, they can take everything that you've just said and apply, begin to apply that now and use that as a, a vehicle to get themselves out there. Because you could be the best flute player in the world, but unless anyone knows about you, then it's pointless, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I knew there was a reason I was going to call you today, Viviana. <laughs> Oh, do you know, you're so generous with your time. And I've just got to thank you for, you know, finding time in your busy schedule to actually speak to me. Because you're always always ducking like everybody else. I get in touch with them saying, can I do a podcast? No, no, no. Actually, no. Nobody says no, really. But uh, I'm I'm pulling your leg there. No, thank you for all that you have been doing, promoting all the flutists and um, giving me the time to put uh, put me on your program. I mean, um, I, I, I also applaud you for all that you do and in, in your support of, of so many people and so many people's career. Well, for me, the, a, flute, a musician and a flute player, everybody is unique. And for me, there isn't one best one, one weak one. Everybody has their own greatness within and something that they can portray to an audience. So I don't care. I just want everybody to know that flute playing and music in general is such an crucial part of our lives that it should be embraced by everybody. So that's all I do, my lady. Absolutely. Absolutely. So wishing you a wonderful day ahead. And it's good that you're surviving lockdown well. <laughs> I'm thriving in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, you're in Cali- who can't survive lockdown in California? <laughs> so we were we we would have met up at uh, NFA this year but sadly it's not on. So there will be a time we'll uh, we'll bump into each other Viviana. Yes, and I look forward to it very much. Oh, thank so you so much. And thank you very very much. So thank, thank my pleasure. Thank you once again to Viviana and to you for listening in to this Talking Flutes Coronavirus Lockdown Survival Podcast this week. Wherever you are, please try to keep smiling through these strange times. Keep practicing and know that one day these dark COVID clouds will lift and the sun will once more shine through on us all. Take care and stay healthy. Goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.